welcome to the E-Cubed podcast, Enterprise Endpoint Experts. I'm your co-host, Bill Burnett, and with me today is Amy Casto, your other co-host. Hey, Amy. Hey, Bill. How's it going? Good, good. And our esteemed guest today is Rob Marshall. Hey, Rob. Hello. Thank you very much for inviting me to this podcast today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thanks for joining us. So tell us, what is your, uh, what is your title, and where do you work, and what do you do? My title is Lord Marshall. That's my first joke. I actually have uh, land. I'm a landed gentry man through a fake um, baron certificate thing. So I can call myself Lord, but uh, I won't for this podcast. Just to, just to start off well, with wait, a joke. Could, can anybody do that? They can actually for £15. So it's not really that special. But um, yeah, my name is Robert Marshall, Enterprise Mobility MVP, uh, specialised in, um, in SCCM config manager for the last 15 years, full on, uh, with no breaks. And um, I'm an MVP now, most valued, valued professional, for 10 years. Wow. So I'm into my, my, my just ticked off my first decade. Wow. And I come from London. On that. Yeah. yeah. In London, in England. Okay, nice. And so you live in London proper? Just south of London, just underneath, but it's easy to say London. Okay, yeah, yeah. And you run the London Users Group? Then. Yes, as I, I run a, a user group with a couple of others um, called the Windows Management User Group. And that has been running for just into it nearly into its 11th year wow awesome awesome you say here in your opening slide being an awesome architect doesn't come easily an artist cannot paint a wonder if they lack a broad palette and then you talk about sort of the palette available to configuration manager architects and i'm going to read through this really quickly and then let amy sort of guide you through some of the details questions that people might have who are coming at this and we can find out what your overarching message is for people around architecting config manager. So here's my <laughs> out loud speed read. On-premise or cloud located site server slash site systems, cloud management gateway, co-management slash Intune standalone, cloud distribution point, log analytics, OMS, upgrade readiness connector. There's an asterisk on a lot of these. We'll get to that. Mm. Windows Store for Business, Windows Update for Business, Internet-based Client Management, Management Point, Distribution Point, and Software Update Point. So this is the set of things that you're thinking about. Where am I going to put these blocks? What's the role each one's playing as you're architecting? Mm. And some of them you've noted they're just services, not actual mm. things, but yeah. they're still they're part of your palette. So with that, I give you the floor, Amy. Yeah, so I think the first big question that I think you and I often see in forums and when we're out at conferences is um, people who are very new to Config Manager and they're drinking from the fire hose mm -hmm. at a conference like this. Mm -hmm. So they've seen Config Manager, they've opened the console. Mm -hmm. Now they want to apply what they've learned here from another conference at home, but the problem is their company doesn't have a lab, so they have to set something up at home. So before we even get into setting up the roles, we have to talk about the actual setup of Config Manager. So I want to ask you what you think is more valuable for somebody new. To use something like a hydration kit where everything's scripted and it installs everything for you? Or should you take a step back and do the entire setup yourself? That's a very good question. Yeah, so um, <laughs> the answer is twofold. <laughs> the, the answer is actually um, not what you'd expect. It's the latter because um, I, I, I've in the past try to automate and simplify as much as I can, which is very good if you're an expert and you've suffered the pain. Mm -hmm. um, but if you haven't gone through any pain barrier or experiences and you, everything is automated for you, there's no learning experience there. 
However, saying that, it's a journey, isn't it, getting a CCM up and running. So yes. actually installing that puppy, getting it working, and then playing with it as an architect or, an, or, or a novice trying to accomplish yourself, understand some of the roles and uh, features. Um, there's, there's two things going on there. So how much time do you really want to spend building out and how much time do you want to spend actually playing with the toys? Well, in my, my opinion, they're both as, um, as important. So uh, building out from scratch at least once is, is, is valuable because that gives you hands-on, step-by-step um, -step, um, experience on what's going on. And a lot of that will be gated information. I mean, um, information that will not be that relevant at that point in time, but as you expand your, 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 your experiences out, you will then start to say, oh, I know this bit because I saw it when I, I ticked this when I was, I was loading out, when I was installing. The former, the hydration kit, is something that I'd recommend for people that want to just spin up quickly. So they've already done, they've done hydration, and uh, sorry, they've already built out once, mm -hmm. they've had the experience, they know how to do the OS, the prereqs, the SQL, mm -hmm. all the, the strata, the layers, and, C and SCCM is config managers on, and it's green, so it's, everything is copacotic. Uh, at that point, you probably much say it's a notch on, 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 on the post, and they don't need to necessarily do that again in the lab, um, and then just go to a hydration kit. Now I know that your, uh, Johan Arwin Marcus has a hydration kit. There are a few out there, but Johan's got a really popular one. Uh, so, 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 so some thoughts on that actually is that, again, there's some more experience that's required to be able to implement a hydration kit. And it came up, um, um, somebody mentioned, uh, one of the speakers mentioned a hydration kit uh, today, uh, one of the uh, sessions I interloped on. And uh, they said, if you have the PowerShell experience to configure it. And I didn't think of that because I thought the hydration kit was just about downloading some bits, putting it in the right respective folders, mm -hmm. and, and then saying go, because all the PowerShell's been written out for you. But I guess if there is any configuration before you can actually click, then it might start losing people. But my impression with the hydration kits, and Johan's been spent an immense amount of time getting those um, really robust, is that you, you pre-configure them the one time, mm -hmm. and you just reuse them as you need them, mm -hmm. which fits in nicely with somebody that's already experience the pain barrier of going through a manual install. Yeah, I completely agree actually. I, I think it's better to install it the first time. Um, I haven't been using Config Manager for as long as, as you and, and Johan and I found more value when I finally started um, just setting things up myself yeah. because then I, first of all, I knew where everything was at in my environment. I knew nearly everything that I'd set up and things that I'd forgotten, I could figure out where to get them from. Yeah. Um, so the next step, I have it installed what do you think that I should start um, configuring? What, like what roles are, are best? Okay, um, in my, my slide deck, in my session architecting configuration manager, I try to distinguish what is important and what isn't important. So my, my, my three cornerstones, <laughs> corners, corners as in four, I've actually got three, <laughs> are, um, um, is, 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 is content, communication, and patching. They're the three things that you really need to establish yourselves on and understand they're the core pieces of this product. Everything else builds above it. So, for example, distribution of content requires distribution points and understanding of a lot more than that. So, the package source and the experience of creating an application from the package source and putting it into the single instance storage or the content store. Then that going on to the, which is the distribution points. Uh, and then um, communications from the clients to the management points, understanding all of how that works. So, literally, I, if I was, um, and, and software updates patterning your environment, the three key things. Um, software updates is a fusion of the, the, four, the first two. So software updates, even though it is distinct because it goes through WUSIS, 
and um, that's metadata, and the patches are either on Microsoft Updates or on your DP. It's still communication, mm -hmm. which is your WSUS scan catalog coming down, or you get in that, um, and then and then content. Um, but I keep it as a distinct, separate pillar rather mm -hmm. than corner, um, simply because I think it's important enough to stand out on its own. Yeah. So for for a novice, I would absolutely recommend that you understand and now you totally understand distribution points. You totally understand management points, and then you go at uh, patching. Yeah, I agree with that also because I we we know where Microsoft is is heading with things. So the next step on this would be if there's only a few things that I should really focus on. Um, we know that Config Manager has become more of as a service rather than just a, a product. Here's a release a, a few years later. Here's another one. So Microsoft is, is shifting more into the cloud. So mm. now we have mm. co-management. So yeah. would you agree that that's the next step and and what you need to understand? Definitely, definitely. So that's part of the message, the the the, the under underlying message of my slide deck really is um, is in the way that I expressed this in the session was to say to lift your chin and look forwards, not 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 downwards. And and that was just a a, a way of saying that if you don't pay attention to what's happening now, it's going to sting you when it really kicks off. And, and now is the time to get in there because it's starting to, it's getting too complicated. Mm -hmm. And if you leave it another several years, two year, a year or two years, it is going to be a, a bit of an uphill struggle to get too used to it. Get used mm -hmm. to it. While we're at these lower early versions of the CMG, the CMG is actually iterated quite a lot. Uh, Co-management is is now uh, is new. We really should be getting in there to understand it right now. In my experience, is if you leave these things alone, they iterate quite rapidly, and then there's multiple layers of knowledge that you have to build up. Mm -hmm. before you can get fully on top of that. The same principle as I'm trying to apply here in this, in this podcast with understanding uh, Config Manager from its very fundamentals. And that's why I atomize it to uh, distribution point, management point, and, um, and, and software update point. Things that you could additionally throw in there would be inter-site communication, for example, from a primary to a secondary, or how does the site system work? Mm -hmm. I'd recommend to anybody that's playing around with SCCM Config Manager in the lab is to choose some scenarios. And, and play those out. So I'd go and spin up another virtual machine and I would put a distribution point on there. And then I'd put a management point on there. And then at some point you're going to realize that the management point is always talking to SQL. So now you understand some concepts further from that. And then mm -hmm. from there you could go even further and say, well, I'd like to introduce a management point replica to stave off that kind of communications, um, which is then architecting and you get a bit deeper and deeper. Mm -hmm. But if you, if you, I had an analogy that just struck me a moment ago. So, for example, we were talking about racing. Now, I like to race in what's called a training car. It's not a Formula One car. Mm -hmm. Imagine I put a novice into a Formula One car and say, could you just go straight line, please? They're going to crash into everything they possibly can until they get to the end of the, uh, to, to the, end of the, uh, the road. If I put them in a training car, then there's less um, overload. There's mm -hmm. less things for, for them to have to handle. There's, there's, it's simplicity. It's simple. And then once you've mastered the training car, you then move on to the you move up the scale to something like a Formula One car. So you shouldn't start off early with too high expectation of what you want to achieve. It should be very simple stuff. And what I do find um, and interrupt me if I if I ramble uh, is that uh, I find a lot of people skip over knowledge that's actually quite fundamental. They think, well, I don't need to know how a management point works because it's a black box. But really, if you're calling yourself an architect, you can't design if you don't know what these components actually fundamentally all the way down to the OS <coughs> how they work. And that was one of the things that we talked about in our troubleshooting session. I mean, sure, everybody loves to come to our OS deployment sessions, but if you don't know how Config Manager works in the back end, who cares if you can deploy an operating system? Because the minute something goes wrong, you have no idea where to check, and you're spending days 
trying to soak up knowledge that you had time beforehand to just relax and learn things yeah. the right way. A good example of why, when that is probably not applicable is when uh, in an organization somebody's been told that you need to deliver a task sequence for Windows 10 because we're thinking about it, and they're that kind of sloppy shop where they can actually, like, you know, uh, you've got a couple of weeks to whip that out rather than some kind of project that's projected across mm -hmm. teams. And, and orchestrated throughout the entire organization. So that guy might have to rush quickly and he's not that familiar with task sequence engine or how every, all those layers are working. He just really needs to start pushing buttons to get Windows 10 out. In those scenarios, they're winging it. As you said, if things go wrong, then they start to take an immense amount of time to troubleshoot. And the danger around that kind of uh, situation is that uh, it's an ad hoc troubleshooting experience for them. So as they have a problem, they go on the web and they'll read 10 different things from 10 different people and they'll implement whatever until it works. Unless they're the type of person that's very regimented and, and um, uh, doesn't just try and like change registry, restart, let's do that. Any guidance well, and advice. Sort of think through what's going to make sense. But yeah, as you, think as you it's point true. out, not everybody in IT has that luxury unless they want to spend a lot, of, they're really dedicated, yeah. want to spend yeah. some extra time yeah. learning because they're like, Okay, so-and-so has decided to move to Tahiti and open a, a drink stand or whatever, and uh, now they didn't give us notice, and now you're in charge of system center configuration manager, exactly. yeah. and you've got to just jump in and yeah. try to keep the things above water until you learn. But as you point out, there's still, um, there's still basic troubleshooting methodology you can apply as you learn, but it's painful because yes. something that would take you five minutes, if you knew, yep. can take you days. Hours or days, yeah. And I see that quite regularly where people uh, really appreciate me coming in, I press a button, I say, that's this, and I give them a, a bit of diatribe, explain it, and we fix it. And they say, well, I've been on this for, for, for ages. And, uh, um, <coughs> a lot of this is, is just stuff experience as you build up your experience yeah. of SCCM if you're not an advanced troubleshooter in the first place you're going to become an advanced troubleshooter for the exposure to SCCM because it has tens of billions of moving parts uh, and you can't really treat it as a black box if you do and it goes wrong we've come back to that conversation mm -hmm. we just had a moment ago about how much time it would take to actually resolve yeah and I don't want to go off on far tangent on this but googling answers mm. does not work because I mean it works it gets you ideas and mm. you can evaluate them and apply the right ones but you can get answers that are just plain wrong a yeah. lot of people answer things online and they're just wrong and like why are you doing that you just look something up and wanted to reply here but you have no idea what you're talking about that's very frustrating oh, so, yeah I had a, <laughs> I had a customer I have a customer who uh, had a, an SCCM team of two who, who uh, had predecessors before then uh, and, and, and they, uh, when I went and visited, that, that is exactly the, the, what I found. Uh, the whole hierarchy had been jury rigged with fixes from the internet that didn't really apply. Oh, wow. And it was, um, they were fixing problems, or seemed to be fixing problems, but another problem would spring up here. So that, that analogy of the eternal dam, uh, holes in dams, you could, you've only got 10 fingers and there's 11 holes. Mm -hmm. uh, but, um, so, so, I don't know if that really works to explain things, but um, if you keep on trying, uh, applying all these uh, uh, fixes that you find, um, you may find that it fixes your specific problem in one place, but it, it's a problem springs up elsewhere that you end up facing later on. So this philosophy you mentioned of keep your chin up, look ahead, what advice do you have for people architecting config manager environments to be looking ahead? What choices can they make now? Okay, so the, the chin up is just uh, a way of saying that if you don't look ahead as Amy said to the co-management and the into standalone that's coming out um, uh, with the, the, the co-management and, and the way that the cloud store is evolving, um, then then you you won't really be prepared for it fully. 
when the time comes to, sh to shift over. Um, and as I was saying, the, these, these technologies iterate pretty quickly. So it's at this point you should really be picking up and, and at least understanding um, of, of what's out there. Whether or not you're going to implement it today, at least make an effort to read a few articles about what, what, what the uh, landscape is, how Azure is set up, how SCCM is interacting with it, how the whole, that whole systems management piece is going uh, uh, towards the cloud. You may not actually need to implement any of that today. Or saying that, as I, I opened up uh, uh, before we start the podcast, explained that a lot of customers already have cloud-based technologies in place, Office 365 for email, and, and it's one of the biggest take-up uh, areas uh, for Microsoft in the cloud. It's Office 365 adoption for email, and, um, uh, uh, and Office 365, uh, sorry, uh, OneDrive for business, um, mm -hmm. for, for file sharing, such things yeah, like yeah. that. So email and file were the two things that surprised Microsoft with the take-up. They expected the take-up to be in other areas, but customers could see that there's a very strategic shift that they could do today to snuff out a lot of Exchange on-prem and shift it up to the cloud, which comes with the benefits of me and my mobility. You know, I can be anywhere in the world and access my, my Office 365 yeah. rather than tunneling in through the uh, archaic framework of an infrastructure, an organization's infrastructure. Uh, further to that, so um, if I was, a, a, um, uh, if I was uh, starting out looking at... Um, uh, modern technologies or modern management, I would recommend that uh, uh, um, SCCM Config Manager administrators should definitely be looking at the client management gateway. They should be definitely looking at the cloud distribution point and um, that would then give them a good understanding of where things are going in the future. Good, okay. And then I know you gave a session and you had some slides on high availability. So maybe, um, Amy, you can poke through or just ask Rob some questions to sort of get his wisdom out about making systems uh, highly available. Yeah, so high availability has been around for about a year now, right? It was introduced either right before or right after the last MMS. I feel like there was a lot of um, buzz around it. So it's been out for about a year. What do you think? Generation one, release one, cut one, uh, is an active passive uh, configuration and it allows the site role to move around. Um, is this awesome? Well. It'd be great if it had loads of other features, but exactly as it is right now, it is awesome because it, uh, it allows me to achieve something I haven't been able to realize in 15 years I've been uh, dealing with uh, Config Manager and the, several, the last several years that I've defined myself as an architect, and that is true high availability. Now, we, I know that we've got a feature called high availability, but pre that, we had a term high availability. How did we achieve high availability? High availability, can you give me an idea of? Well, throw it back at you after <coughs> two distribution points, mm -hmm. two management points. Mm -hmm. uh, that was our high availability. But if the site went down, there was only so much we could do to keep the front face going. So I could um, I could put a management point replica in with a database, which means that if I lose my database, I'm okay, because clients can still communicate. If I have a distribution point, it's not on the site server. It's over here. Clients can still that if I destroy the site server. So what is the one thing that doesn't work when a site server is down? I'll answer that for you. It's OSD. And the reason why OSD fails, operating system deployment, is because in there, if you're deploying an OS, it would be the client registration that fails. The client registration is intimately linked with the primary. So even though the communications from the client will go to the management point to say, how I'd like to register, it goes tra traversing around the inboxes from the site system or directly to the management point on the site server, into the inboxes, process, and then put into the database, which is then exposed by the management point. So the client then sits there for a minute waiting, and says, uh, I'm going to check the database, is my client registration in there yet? Yes, it is, and I proceed, and you get a successful OSD deployment. 
But if it hasn't registered a client, then the toss sequence will continue, but it will fail because the client is not uh, uh, assigned to a site. It, it actually showing the logs. But you will see the task sequence firing through and lots of things will seem to work. You'll even get a CAD at the end, a control delete. You might even get a domain joined, if it, it, depending on what you've done. And it could look like it's working, but it actually wouldn't be because the, the client's not uh, installed or registered, which then subsequently can kill off a lot of uh, the rest of the stack, which would be application delivery and such things like that. So um, for us, the one piece I couldn't say to a customer was that um, I can make the whole hierarchy highly available. I could only make almost all of it, but the one very important part, uh, I can't. Mm -hmm. And then they say to me, the customer say, well, what can we do about that? And I say, backup restore. You know, if you've lost your, your site server and we need to recover it, we're gonna have to do the traditional recovery method, which uh, the only supported way from Microsoft is to use the uh, database or the cd.latest, uh, as you know. Uh, there's a site maintenance, backup maintenance task if you use that, but the, the problem is it's still a restore or a recovery to get yourself back, and that can take four, eight hours, however long. So your front-facing services will still spin, management points will still communicate with clients, distribution points will still issue content, but your, ultimately your task sequences will, will fall over. And that's not really satisfying for an organization. When we're talking about an enterprise-grade product, and we say, well, at that point, if we lose the big piece, the big cheese, then uh, <coughs> we then have to scramble and get that thing up as quick as possible. HA, today, voids all of that. Now I can safely, comfortably answer a, cust a customer and say, I can give you 100% availability now. So all your wow. RSD will continue. So you can't kill this product now. In theory, I could kill it all, you know, kill both nodes, <laughs> yeah? But if you've killed both nodes and node A and node B are in data center one, data center two, and you've lost two data centers, is not a CCM or config manager academic at that point? Isn't there a DR event to recover your entire company? Or entire data center. Great. Now, can you explain the functionality that has changed to make that possible? Great. So they have a high availability feature that allows us to transition the site server role. Now, that's the one that's responsible for completing the, uh, the transaction, the, the client registration during the OSD phase. So, it, whatever happens, if the and and the two nodes will be sharing a, uh, a SQL uh, always on availability cluster, uh, and the nodes will uh, an active passive configuration. Your active will uh, fail and the passive will automatically switch on. Yeah. Uh, DJ, I'm still to confirm that, but we think that we've got automatic transitioning. Okay. If it isn't, then it'd just be a case if you go and you say, I would like node B to become the active node, and it wakes up and it answers any of those OSD client registration requests. So that means continuity. The node B isn't really the original one because node one, or node A, sorry, uh, was your original primary site server in the active mode and we've flapped over to node B. Um, at some point we're gonna have to flap back to node A, so that means remediation. But it's backburnered. I don't need to urgently deal with that right yeah, now. Yeah. I don't need to go to you and say, could I bring up backup tapes, please? And could you go and orchestrate the SQL team to help us? Because there's been, in some organizations, it's, 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 there, there's many different teams uh, responsible for um, uh, for each of those types of roles, like the database team, you might not have database access at all. I have one customer where the SCCM team have no access and they don't own the database. They can't do re-indexing, they can't do any of that kind of stuff, they have to ask, and that's passing over the fence. So you can imagine in a DR <laughs> yeah, By the way, we did, we did a podcast with uh, Steve Thompson, and he said, yeah, don't give your config manager uh, guys access to your databases. No. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. Um, and I've got the inverse uh, kind of uh, argument, don't give your D database to a DBA. And the reason why is because a lot of DBAs try to standardize and they have a farm. 
and they want consistency and also they don't necessarily understand that this is even a Microsoft product or that this they, they don't like that this breaches the standards that they have to find in their head. Mm-hmm. And they say that even Microsoft have broken their own standards with regards to applications and the way the SQL is using it and they don't really like it. They can change database flags on the fly without telling you. They can move your database around the world without telling you. There's a lot of things that can start happening when you say, here, take my database and it's now a wall in front right, of you. Right, right. However, if you have a very good DBA team, you know that stuff will happen. But I genuinely have worked in so many organizations, I can tell you from the good DBAs to the bad DBAs, I can give you stories on, on all those scenarios. Yeah, and it is every, just every, a that's, that's a case by case. Exactly. exactly. But the, the bigger picture here is you're saying what's changed is that ability to migrate that site server role. Yes, so the site time. server role will transition to Node B and uh, we, we, business as usual. Um, in the future, we may have an act. We will have an active active um, model, so we will be able. To, that's this is elastic computing, where we will have um, more nodes that we can add to scale out to take care of load. So if we have too much load in this month, or we're anticipating that next month we're going to be heavily pushing, and it's bottoming out our server, I could create another node, and the uh, workload okay. can be shared. Now this is quite theoretical, advanced stuff. That product group need to code in they're not there yet they're still working on the active passive and releasing that for possibly build 1806 okay. um, so, so, so so we're hoping that uh, in 1806 it won't be a pre-release feature it'll be a full production feature yeah the moment that go happens it it, it 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 does something very important for me as an architect it allows me to say when I write a DR plan for a customer or they ask me how will we write the DR plan um, currently, I have a huge list of all the stuff that they need to do, get your backups, go to the documentation, review it. Then you have to have another document that you've written on all the steps that they're going to do. Um, and all of that has to be carried out. If I have high availability, I just um, we have two nodes. If one fails, I just build another node. Because I don't care about the failed node. It means nothing to me. I flick it into the long grass. I build up another VM. I say node 2, node B. Keep switching the letters and numbers here. Node B, build another one. The whole idea of A, B, and C is kind of irrelevant as well. Generations, you can just build up more and more and more and more, yeah. and then collapse them back down again. You could actually go from on-prem to uh, Azure, and then well, now you're now up there. Minds. Yeah. <laughs> what about if I go sideways? So what if I have an archaic bit of old equipment and I now want to go to a newer bit of equipment? What do you do today? That's a, that's a, I'm doing this right now for a customer. Uh, one of my remote support engineers is working on that right now. Um, Peter Cashin, and he has um, he has seven days to achieve this, and that's to move from um, specific OS versions, specific SQL versions, uh, on the same box and uplifting it. Mm. If I was to get that to a certain requirement level, I could say introduce a new node, transition, and that would be server 2016, 2019, whatever, the latest elements, and I just transition. And then I flick the old one into the long grass. That would m- make migrations um, a clicky, wizardy affair. Yeah, fabulous. Yeah. So, okay, I think I'm going to bring us home. Do you have any more questions about high availability before we get to would you rather? I really have a really good would you rather. So if you're if you're ready for it. <laughs> oh, yeah, got it. Okay, so you have children, yes? Yes, I do. Do they like Lego? They love Lego. Okay, so they're all over your house, huh? I keep stepping on them, but I am now a ninja and I can step on Lego and not even flinch. <laughs> okay, so here we go. Would you rather have it be that every morning when you get out of your bed and you have to walk across your bedroom floor, that it is nothing but a field of, of Legos? Or your bedroom floor is clean and fine, but when you go to put on your socks and shoes, they're wet and you can never get them dry. 
Strange question. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. It's almost like that escape room that I just come through and come from and escaped in there. Um, um, actually, you know what? I'd probably put up with the pain every day for a couple of moments so that I could have some dry feet. <laughs> yeah, I think that's a psychological choice. The pain's <laughs> temporary and then your feet yeah. are okay yeah. all day. And I could hide this unreality <laughs> from others by saying, uh, making nothing of it. They wouldn't know that I actually have to step through a field of Lego every morning. I could hide it from them, but I really couldn't hide wet socks. It's true. <laughs> Good choice. Thank you. Okay, Rob, is there any website you want to point people to or anything like that before we break? Yes, I'd love you to have a look at the Windows Management User Group. That's wmug.co.uk and uh, a shameless plug for my company site. Yes. smsmarshall.com. Okay, Rob, thank you so much for joining us. Have a great rest of MMS. Thank you very much. Thank you Absolutely. very much. Absolutely. Thank, thank you. All right, thanks, bye.